Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Awesome, good morning. Okay, don't, don't fall asleep, wake up. We sang Sleeper, Wake Up. Did you sing that? Were you here in time to see that? Come on. Come on. Hey, welcome everybody. Revelstoke, Vernon, ends of the earth. Uh, it's amazing how many people watch things online. And uh, you've got to be so careful what you say because people say, watch them online and it's like they're forever. You know, I, I, you probably heard me say this before, but have you ever heard, uh, I heard Pastor Phil saying one time, he said people are concerned about, not Pastor Phil, Dr. Phil. Well, Pastor Phil is a doctor, but that's not the one doctor I'm talking about. Phil McGraw, he said, if you don't want it on the internet, don't do it. And uh, it's kind of a good, good idea. So welcome, bienvenidos, and uh, welcome to church. And uh, those of you, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm loving the fact, you know, over the last few years I've been learning Spanish because I love uh, Latin America, and it seems like uh, we have more and more Spanish-speaking people showing up in church. And uh, so that's good. I love it. And uh, I uh, was in our Revelstoke location last week and was chatting with David and Lena and and uh, we were talking and introduced myself, and I heard him introduce himself by name, and I went, oh, Spanish-speaking, I'm loving, I'm, we're just going to stay here and talk for a while. Uh, I'm loving that. Hey, it's, uh, it's uh, great to be able to be here together in location and also online as we talk about Supernatural. Supernatural is our series for the next few weeks. It's kind of the time of the year when people are thinking about Supernatural stuff. How many of you walk down your uh, street and you're seeing Halloween decorations? Yeah. Uh, demons <laughs> and devils and skeletons and all, you know, people are thinking about supernatural except they don't really think it's real. Mm-hmm. It's just a decoration. Uh, and the problem we have is here we sit in church and we uh, are talking about supernatural, but we actually think it's real. Uh, we believe it's real because that's why we're here. Uh, that's why we gather, because there's something uh, real about the supernatural. But I, I thought it would be good as we start into this series today that we would uh, take some time to just kind of uh, talk about why it's important. You know, like, is, is there value to this? Because the, the reality is when we talk about the supernatural and God's supernatural involvement in our world, not everybody in the Christian world is on the same page. Not everybody is, unfortunately, uh, as anxious to have God involved in their life. I remember when I was a kid, and... Uh, uh, you know, as a kid, you, you know, you're, you're told, I mean, I grew up in church, and you're, you're told all sorts of different things, and one of the things was that God was always watching you. And to be entirely honest, there were times in the day that that really freaked me out. There are other times in the day when I was happy to God see, for God to see exactly what I was doing, but other times, I didn't want that, uh, because uh, then it got even worse. My, my grandma, who, was, who I love my grandma, she passed away, I was 12. And, uh, and they said, well, now Grandma's in heaven watching over you, too. And I went, oh, that's just double bad. Uh, it's just double bad because now they both can see me, and now I'm really in trouble. And, and, you know, that whole idea of God watching and God being involved can be disturbing. And God being involved, and, and, and as a result of that, sometimes we can kind of go, hey, you know, I just assume God not be involved in my life because I don't want him involved in what I'm doing. I, But the reality, as spirit believers, and just so you know, we are a spirit-believing church. We're a church that would identify with the Pentecostal movement. And as that, we want to see the Holy Spirit moving in our life. We want to do it. At least we say that. 
At least we say that. And sometimes there's a gap between what we believe and what we actually live like. And so we want to kind of lay out a foundation. My hope today as we talk is that, that we would come out of this morning believing for God to be involved in our life every day of our life, every day of our week, and not just when we're together here on Sundays in the company of super Christians, but when we're also everywhere else, that we would realize that God wants to do something. In, uh, in Joel, we're going to use this today, we're going to use this, if you've got your Bible, your U version, your, your app on your phone, you've got it, uh, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, 29, it's a classical verse that we use talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit and God pouring out His Spirit. It says, in the Old Testament, prophesying into our day, not just previous times, but into our time, it says, then after doing all these things, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. No discrimination. No white privilege. Everybody. God wants to pour out his spirit. Come on, just would you help me out a little bit? Just poke the person next to you and say, he is talking about you. All right, God is talking about you. He, he wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to experience the supernatural power of God in your life. But you know, not everybody believes that. And, and I, I, you know, here I talk about, you know, uh, uh, all God moving among us equally. Uh, I want to say that I'm going to divide Christians into three groups. After having said that, I know it seems contradictory, but just stay with me for a minute, all right? You can watch for my contradictions. They'll be there. And uh, just, just, just stay with me a little bit. There's, there's, I think, three different ways that people live their lives in relation to the supernatural as Christians. One is, uh, the first one is that they, we live our lives as though God stopped interfering in our world. We live our lives as though God has just decided he's not getting involved in our world anymore. That's one way. The second way is that we live our lives as though, uh, as though God doesn't interfere in our world. It's not that he stopped, he just doesn't do it anymore. He just doesn't involve himself in my life. And then there's the third group, and I hope that by the end of this morning, we're going to be in this third group, is that God, we live as though God wants to interfere in your world, and you do too. You say, well, that's kind of a weird uh, choice of words, God interfering in my world. No, that was intentional. God wants to interfere in your world, and God wants to get involved in your world, and God wants to be in your world in a way that sometimes you don't want him to do, but mostly you can't do on your own. Uh, you know, so let's, let's just kind of talk through these three kind of viewpoints, these three different ideas uh, for a few moments today. And uh, first of all, let's talk, talk about this whole thing of living as though God has stopped interfering in the world. I, I don't know if you've encountered it lately, but it, for whatever reason, I've run into a whole bunch of Christians in the last little while who come from this point of view that say, you know what? God's just not doing those things anymore. That's, it was in the Bible. God did that. God performed miracles. God, there was speaking in tongues. There was, you know, there was miracles. There was healings. All those kinds of things, they happened. Prophesy, prophecies, but they just don't happen anymore because well, I don't know why, but they just don't. That's, that was Bible times, not anymore. Have any of you run into people like that? Just me? Oh, some of you have. Okay, good. I thought I was in trouble. Speaking to irrelevancy. 
And, and, but there, there's these people that go, you know, and, and Christians, they love God with their whole heart, serving God, but they genuinely believe that for some reason God just stopped doing miracles. God stopped doing things that are. Now, it's pretty hard to have faith for a miracle if you don't believe in them. It's, it's pretty hard to believe for some things if you don't believe in them. And I mean, I, I realize that's a real conundrum there. But not being able to believe. And so if, you, if you're not believing for something, if you don't think it could happen, you just don't expect it. You don't work that way. You don't live that way. You don't have an anticipation for those kinds of things. And, and, and in that, this, this, it's, it's like, it's like I, I guess, it's like describing God saying, well, God used to have this skill set, but now he has a more limited skill set. I have a problem with that, personally. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't seem to, to, to make sense to me. In uh, one of the verses that are often used to describe that particular way of thinking is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, 8 to 10. And, and you've probably heard this particular uh, verse uh, shared in, uh, or this whole passage shared at weddings and, you know, special events. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 8 to uh, 10, it says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown tongues and languages, or unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, some translations say, and they will end. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, I'm reading New Living Translation, these partial things will become Useless. Again, other translations say that when that which is perfect comes, these things will end. And so part of the, uh, just a little theology lesson. I know some of you really get into that, and some of you are going like, I'm going to tune out right now as soon as you say the word theology. So that's okay. I'll come back later. Okay, please come, join us again. Uh, but the, the, the whole idea behind that, and people interpret this verse, they say, okay, when that which is perfect, well, when the Bible was completed, when, it, when we decided that's the perfect Bible, that's God's word to us, we no longer have a need for prophecy. Because it's all been said. We no longer have a need for it. It's called God just said, you know, once you get all this done, you don't need knowledge, you don't need uh, supernatural stuff happening, because now you have the Bible. And people teach that. Uh, let, me just, let, me just, let me just respond to this in, in a couple ways. It's, it's hard to argue, in reality, it's a little hard to argue biblically from a verse-by-verse -verse perspective against that because somebody's decided that when the Bible happened, it's, it's all over, it's done. That's, that's when God stopped working supernaturally. But let's think about it this way. It was, it's interesting, we have a... Uh, uh, first time ever, we have, I have a fellow uh, chicken farmer. I grew up in chicken farm. We got some chicken farmers from Saskatchewan with us this morning. It's awesome, and uh, we, we can actually talk the same language. It's like this is like heaven. This is great, and uh, and we were talking about uh, about you know eggs as they had egg farm and and uh, broilers. And some of you are going like, okay, I don't want to hear about this. Okay, stay with me. Two days ago, I was at the uh, health store, health food store. Yes, I go to a health food store. And uh, uh, as I went to pay for the item, there was, a, there was a dozen eggs sitting on the counter. And the clerk was, I, I noticed that they were $8 because they were organic and brown. And because things are organic and brown, they cost more. And uh, they were $8, and, uh, but she was marking them down to $1. $1. Like, where's my wife? She would be buying that in a minute. And so I said, well, you know, what's, what's the deal with the eggs? Like $1. She said, well, you know, they were on the shelf. Somebody wanted to buy them, but they're two days past their expiry date. 
<laughs> Did somebody just go? <laughs> Two days past their expiry date. And I said to her, I said, you know, that's too bad. My wife would buy these every day of the week for a dollar. But they're past their expiry date. So we were talking before service, and we just went, you do realize that expiry date on eggs doesn't really mean anything. Like, it's just there because you have to have an expiry date, but, I mean, eggs last a long, 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 long time. And I had some this morning. They were delicious. Because that expiry date is, is irrelevant. And unfortunately, kind of what's happened with the whole idea that God ceased doing miracles once the Bible was completed is because we put an arbitrary expiry date on it. And it's arbitrary. Oh, the Bible ended when, the, when, when we got together and went, that's the Bible. That's the, all those things. That's the Bible. Well, that, ex no. This is an organic move of God. This is something that God continues to do. It didn't expire. Continue. And when we look at the historical record, when we look at things, and, and if, you, if you're here today or you're watching online or you're in Revelstoke or Vernon or wherever, and you're saying, no, I still wrestle. I, I just encourage you to look at some historical evidence. If, if you'd like, I, I'd love you to just kind of go online and search something called the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s that, where there were all sorts of miracles taking place. And God, a couple of books, you might, a couple of authors you might look at is a guy by the name of John G. Lake. And if you don't, can't find the book, I have some, I'll give them to you. But all sorts of miracles happening. Uh, and that's in our day and age, not Bible times. And uh, there's another great, great uh, name that you'll want to remember, Smith Wigglesworth. I, I love the word Smith Wigglesworth just because of how it sounds. But the miracles that God did through that particularly unlearned plumber are amazing. And if you can go away from that and say, well, you know what, God's not doing miracles anymore, uh, then you haven't read the book. You, you need to go back, you need to read it again. God is doing miracles today. It didn't cease at the end of the, uh, of the biblical age. It didn't cease. It just transferred to us instead of the apostles. Right? That's important consideration. Well, in the Bible, we have Jesus and the apostles doing all these miracles, but now it's given to us to take that responsibility. Now, there's a, so there's a, there's a second, as we go with that, there's this second kind of thought about how we can, uh, about how people live. We live as though, God, um, as though God doesn't interfere in our world. God doesn't interfere in our world. That's, that's the person who says, I believe in healing, but they really only believe it when we're here on Sunday. I, I, I believe it intellectually, but I don't expect it experientially. I, I believe that God could do that, but he's just not doing that. Because I haven't seen it. Because I haven't encountered it. Because I haven't come across it lately. You know, I... Uh, I remember hearing a great story. I heard John Wimber speak one time, and, and somebody had asked him, and they said, hey, um, Pastor Wimber, what would you do if you were praying for somebody and they fell over dead? He said, I'd step over them and pray for the next person. 
Now, I thought he should have said, I'd pray for them to get you know, raised from the dead. I just thought that's it. But, but what, he's, what he's saying is he's saying, he's saying just because God doesn't do it every time doesn't mean that God doesn't do it any time. Right? Just because God doesn't supernaturally move every time we want him to as if he's at our beck and call doesn't mean that God doesn't want to move and that God's not going to do something in your life, and that God's not going to do something in your world, and that God's not going to act supernaturally beyond what you expected. Just because he doesn't do it every time doesn't mean he's not going to do it any time. And when we get that lesson in our heart, because otherwise... You know, we, we get this thinking, say, well, we don't really need God to do stuff anymore because, you know what, I mean, you know, we, we get a doctor. You know, doctors are better at curing things than, you know, now that we're more advanced and, you know, we have more knowledge, we can go to the doctor so God doesn't have to do that. He can, but he doesn't have to. Right? We'll probably think about that. God doesn't have to. You know, I, I mean, we know God gives us wisdom, but, you know, now we have trained counselors. You know, so, you know, I mean, God can give us wisdom, but he doesn't have to because we've got all these other options. And, and we end up living a life that is, we believe in God, but we don't expect him to intervene. He does. He could, but he doesn't have to. Somebody else could do that for him. I think it's an unfortunate situation, and if you go with me, in the Old Testament for a minute. There, there was a similar situation in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, uh, around, verse four, or around chapter 14, 15, it, it chronicles this story of a king by the name of Asa, A-S-A. And Asa was actually one of the uh, most spiritual kings in Judah's history. From the time of David until, the, until they went into captivity in Babylon, during that time period, there were 20 kings and one queen, or 19 kings and one queen. And of those 19 kings, King Asa actually stood out as a bit of a highlight in terms of turning the people back to God. He'd done a lot of great things, and he turned the people back to God. It's, it's, it's quite an encouraging story. But near the end of his life, he started to exhibit something that falls into this living like God doesn't interfere in your world anymore. Near the end of his life, in fact, we pick it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 7. He's gone into battle, but instead of depending on God, he hired another king. Hired the king of the Arams. And he hired him and, and asked him to come and fight on behalf of them. Battle went fine, but at the end of the day, the prophet Hanani came to came to Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 7, and 8, and he says, At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa and told him, Because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of, that instead of word is kind of important, instead of the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. You missed your chance to do what God wanted you to do. Because you chose to put your trust in something instead of God, you missed your chance to cooperate with God in something incredible. Later on in that chapter, it tells us in verses 16 and 7, or verse 12 to 14, it says in the last year of his reign, like right at the end of his reign, 39th year of his reign, so he's had this great run of success helping people find God. 
But in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Doesn't say what it is, doesn't say what was involved, but it says this about him, because this is, this is this thing, this is this living as though God doesn't interfere in our world anymore. He said, yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. Okay, that word only is important. Don't, don't, don't hear me saying that, you know, we have doctors, so now we should ignore them. I'm not going to the doctor because, you know, I have God. <laughs> I've probably told this story before, but I think it's so much fun that I tell it as many times as I can. But there was a guy that was, you know, there had been a hurricane and, and there was a flood and he was, he was in, this, in his house and, you know, the water was coming up and coming up his three-story house and as the water reached the, you know, the second story, somebody came by. You know, he's praying. He's a Christian guy. Right? He's praying. He's saying, God, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And a uh, guy came by in a canoe and said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, jump in the canoe and we'll get off to safe, to dry land. And the guy said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I've been asking God. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. And he said, okay, fine. You know, I tried. And uh, the water kept coming up, and it got up to, you know, the third floor, and he's sticking up, and the guy comes by in a motorboat by this time, and he's like, hey, come on, you know, like, jump in the boat. We'll save you. Get you out of this thing. And the guy says, no, 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 I'm praying. God's going to save me. God save me. God save me. And uh, finally, he's standing. He's on his roof. He's crawled up, and he's gotten on his roof, and he's on the roof, and a, guy, and a helicopter comes down. They drop down the rope. He says, grab the rope. We're going to take you to dry land. And he says, no, 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 God's going to save me. Well, the guy drowns. Water comes up. The guy drowns. Gets to heaven. He says, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Why didn't you save me? God says, I sent you a canoe and a boat and a helicopter. What more did you expect me to do? I, it's, not that, it's not that we don't go there. It's that we only go there. Because when we only go there, we put all of our trust in something else. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I love the fact that I've got, I got several doctors in my life that different, for different reasons, but all of them are Christians. I love that. Uh, it's not, it's, it's the first time that's ever happened in my life, but, but I can sit in my doctor's office and we can pray, which is kind of cool because he can take his expertise and we can join together in agreement that God wants to do something in this situation that might involve him and might not involve him, but it's a cool thing to be able to do. Asa went, he said, you know, after all I've seen God do and after all I've done for God, now I'm choosing to only depend on the natural. Some of us get that place in our life because we've been disappointed, we've been discouraged. Man, I prayed and I prayed and prayed and nothing happened. I, I was believing for a miracle and it didn't happen. Let me just give you this word again just to remind you of this. Just because it doesn't happen every time doesn't mean it doesn't happen anytime. There is a time when God's going to move in your life. There is a time when God's going to move supernaturally. But if we don't get ourselves in a place of expecting it, a believing for it. You know, one of my prayers that I often pray, there was a man came to Jesus, said, heal my daughter, and Jesus said, do you believe? Do you believe? I, I, I stand where that man stands a lot of time. I said, Lord, help my unbelief. I don't believe enough. I don't have enough faith. I know that. I know that. Because life takes faith out of you. But our connection, our relationship to God, continually going back to God, puts faith back into us when we keep going back to God over those kinds of things. So the third, third way we live, third way we live is we live as though God wants to intervene in our world. 
If you've ever been in a restaurant, busy restaurant, and you're sitting and you're having conversation with the person across the table from you, but while you're having a conversation, you're also paying attention to the conversation behind you. Put up your hand. I want to see you. Come on, the rest of you are not admitting it. You're liars. <laughs> the, uh, the, the reality, we do that because we actually know how to have a conversation, but also pay attention to what's going on behind. I, I, we were sitting in a restaurant. My wife and I were sitting in a restaurant the other day. And, uh, and I, we were having a conversation, but I saw her, all of a sudden I saw her smile, and it wasn't about anything I said. And I said, you're listening to the people behind you, aren't you? She said, yeah, yeah. That's what God wants us to walk through life like. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to the doctor, but I'm hearing what God's saying. I, I'm, I'm eavesdropping on God's voice in this situation. What's God want to do in this situation? What's God, what's the miracle that God wants to produce? What's the supernatural thing that God wants to intervene into this situation? I'm listening all the time. But I think sometimes when we're looking for the supernatural, and this is important, if you're writing notes, I I really encourage you to put this one down because you're going to have to think about this. I think sometimes we're looking for the supernatural. We're looking for it in the wrong place. Let me just give you a quick overview of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry in four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They record his miracles. And of those supernatural miracles, depending on, on how you kind of understand some of them as duplicates and some of them are, are, are uh, unique, there's either 35 or 36 miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament. When you go through that and you, you look at them, it's about 35, 36. But it's interesting to note where Jesus did his miracles. Where did Jesus do his miracles? Out of those 35, 36 miracles, if you look right into it, only three of those miracles happened in what would have been a synagogue, which would have been the, that equivalent of the church. Only three out of 35 or 36 miracles happened in church. Uh, of, of the remaining miracles, there was, about, there was about nine. There's nine miracles that happened in somebody's home. That's cool. Nine miracles in somebody's home. But what that means is that out of 35 or 36 miracles, 12 of them happened in what we could say are kind of safe Christian environments, which means that two-thirds, about 23 of those miracles happened somewhere that it wasn't safe, somewhere that it, well, we weren't crowded with other believers, that we weren't all in agreement. It happened at work. It happened in the marketplace. It happened at school, happened in the neighborhood. So it gets me thinking. It's part of the reason we don't see the supernatural is because the only time we expect supernatural to happen is right here at the front. And based on those numbers, we got about a 10% chance can I try to open up our thinking a little bit this morning? That, that maybe we need to shift our faith 
for God to do supernatural things from here to there. From Sunday morning to Wednesday afternoon. From this group of people <laughs> to your coworkers. That that's in fact the place that God wants to move. That that's where God wants to show himself supernatural because most of us here are already convinced that God can do it, but he needs to show himself somewhere else. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the point of supernatural. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe it's for somebody else. Let me close this with a verse. There's a little bit of dispute, I'll be honest, there's a little bit of dispute among scholars whether this verse should be included in the Bible or not. I think they're all wrong, it should be. I have no reason for saying that except that I, it, it demonstrates it, and it, it articulates the reality of the spirit-filled life. In Mark chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Don't go test those couple ones. You just only get, most of the, can, can I just, you know, I'm joking about it in a sense, but let me just put it this way. You kind of have to learn to operate in the supernatural, and that one doesn't have any margin for error. That's all I'm saying. All right? If you, you accidentally get something poisonous, just believe God to heal you. Just don't go test it because you, it, it, it is a learning curve. And, and you don't get a second chance on that one. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will recover. When's the last time you placed your hand on somebody sick at work? Point. Point. We do it in church, and we'll do it this morning. But I believe that part of the reason that we don't see supernatural in our lives is because we're not looking in the right place. We want to experiment in the safety where God wants us to move out into the unknown and Believe him to be miraculous. Believe him to be God. The world around us needs to see a God who's God. And he'll only see that through us. He'll only see that through us. That's my challenge this morning. We're going to go in a, in a minute. We're going to go into uh, worship again. We're going to allow you in locations to go back in just a moment into worship. But I, I want to, just as we close this off, I, I want to come back to the book study we're about to do. You say, well, how's, what's that have to do with supernatural? Well, the, the book study we're doing is, and, and if you can throw it on the screen, it'd be awesome because I, I really want people to sign up for this. We were, we were planning to do a study that we were calling Foundations, which was just it, not so much what we believe, but how we live that out. See, the world doesn't know us. Unfortunately, the world tends to know us by what we believe but not by how we act and how that's inconsistent. And on my heart for a long time has been that, that as believers, as Christians, we need to kind of wrestle with not just what we believe. We're full of what we believe. Most of us can answer all those questions right. We've done the learner's test. We can pass that, but we're actually getting in the car is a different thing. My oldest granddaughter just got her learner's license. She's 16. And uh, she passed it. I told her, you know, a lot of people don't pass their first First time they do a uh, learner's test, and she said, yeah, but Papa, I'm not like every other person. 
And she passed the first time. I think she partly approved me wrong. But I, I got her in the car, and she's never driven before. She has all the knowledge and all the beliefs. But we got in the car, and it was a whole different experience for her and me. Because there is, there, is this, there, there is this process by which we've got to move what we believe into what we do. And, and the reason I, I'm asking us, and, and just, if you don't mind, just keep that slide up on there early, is I'm asking you to get into the studies, because this is, this is what discipleship is, is moving from what we believe to how do we now live. And... and I, and I had wanted us to do a study that we were calling Foundations and spent a lot of time working on it. And then I discovered Pastor Phil's book. And Pastor Phil's book basically covered the whole thing. I went, well, why am I going to recreate the wheel? Let's just do this. And uh, we've had some book studies going on. But it's intended to eight weeks. And it's intended that we take this, what we know, but how do we now live that out on one, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Uh, how do we do that? How do we live out love? How do we live out moving in the Holy Spirit? How, how do we live out miracles? How do we live out truth? How do we live out all those things? And that's, that's, that's why I'm really hoping that you, you sign up to, and the reason we're asking you to sign up first before we give you all the locations and dates and all that kind of stuff is because we don't know uh, across our regional church, we've got people that are, you know, in, in different places and, and and, uh, and we just don't know where the bulk of people are. So when we see the six people here, we can put together the group there, right? When there's, you know, somebody that's a little bit remote, then we can run it online. We're just asking the logistics to be worked out after we know that you're in it. My, my hope is that every one of us would get in on this. We're going to do everything we can. But my biggest cry in my heart for our church is that, that we would move from what we know to what we do. Yeah. Not what we do alone, but what we do because we believe. I believe that has 100% to do with what we're talking about in Supernatural, but it has 100% to do with where we're moving forward to do and become who God called us to be. So that's my little blurb just on, on discipleship because I, I want you to hear from me that that's just my heart is, is that we all get into that, that, that we do that, and we wrestle through what does that mean. We've gone through a time the last few years where a lot of the things that we believe haven't come out in how we've behaved. And in fact, you know, I think right, rightly be able to say that a lot of times um, Christianity and churches have acted hypocritically. Uh, but, you know, there'll always be a little bit of that. Okay, don't, don't think, you know, my granddaughter, I'm not like other people. Yeah, we are like other people. Uh, we still have to work it out. But I just want to, so I just want to encourage you in that. We're going to come back to worship. Uh, we're going to release you in every location into your live worship right now, but uh, we're going to come back to worship. So I invite you to stand, join, and we're going to spend some time at the end. We're going to minister and just pray for each other at the end. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.